Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to Blonde Hair, Black Heart. So on the Real Housewives of Orange County reunion, the episode begins with Shannon talking about Gina saying that she has no friends. She says that it's really mean-spirited, to which Gina responds, no, John was mean-spirited. I mean, he definitely got upset, but listen, he was responding to Shannon's own game of telephone. Gina said, I feel sorry for you, and by the time it got back to John, Shannon was saying that Gina had said, I have nothing but pity for your life, which is a stretch, so I understand why John got so heated. Gina says, no man I know would ever act like that. Um, I think Shannon's face said it all. Really? No man? Not even Matt? (laughs) So everyone finally addresses Shannon's put-a-pin-in-it line that she's been repeating all season long. Honestly, this would be my biggest fear if I were ever to go on a reality TV show. Not getting into fights, not being called an asshole, it would be using a word or a phrase incorrectly and looking like an idiot. It's honestly terrifying. It it keeps me up at night. Shannon addresses Gina and Emily laughing about her core four being at the finale party. They say that they'll stop joking with her, Um, you know, they don't mean to hurt her feelings, that's just what they do. And she responds by being like, well, don't walk on eggshells around me, I'm tough. You know, she says this with tears in her eyes and a quiver on her lip. So obviously it's hard to believe. Um, I love Stormy Shaniels, you guys know that, but she's not the uh, toughest in the group. She's no smelly dud, that's for sure. So uh, then we get into Noella versus everybody. Okay, I can't stand Noella, as you guys know, but I will absolutely give credit where credit is due. She came to work. I saw someone tweet um, that she had joined this season like it was a video game and she was determined to take on every boss. It's a me, a Noella! So let's break them all down. We've got Jen versus Noella. It's interesting because they came in with mutual friends and having met previously, and Noella immediately went for Jen. Noella's claiming that Jen was firing Emily up at Heather's party regarding the Nicole Weiss-James lawsuit, but why can't Jen have an opinion about it? You know, she's now part of this group, their job is to sit and discuss it all, and that's what she was doing. Why can't Jen get fired up herself, or speak her piece? You know, Nicole wasn't even in the room anymore, so I don't really see why Noella was so upset about that. It had nothing to do with Noella. Then we have the photo tagging situation. Noella claims that she has another deal with a med spa, and she can't be tagged in these photos. Plus, she doesn't want to be associated with Jen's shady business. Um, I really wish we had gotten more into that. You know, Jen's business dealings have been playing out in the public the entire airing of the season, and it seems like a missed opportunity to not really dive into that on the show. Now, I I understand why Dr. Jen wouldn't want us to do that, but uh, you know what they say, mention it all. Then we get into Heather versus Noella. Heather addresses the many things that Noella has said about her, like that she's a narcissist, Heather asks Andy, do you have pictures of yourself in your studio? Okay, so let me be clear. I think Heather's studio is fabulous. Like, if I could have my little blonde hair black heart character all over my studio space, which I don't have, by the way, most of these episodes I record in my walk-in closet because it has the best acoustics, but if I could, I would. I'd have that adorable little blonde boy plastered everywhere. I'd I'd have my name in lights because, fuck, if no one else is going to put my name in lights, I might as well. Then the Nicole Weiss-James lawsuit comes up, and Noella claims that she was on the other line with Nicole when Heather called, and Nicole claims to have been botched, and she received a large settlement because of it. 
Heather explains that when you get a settlement from a doctor, it's reported to the California Medical Board. With malpractice, there would be absolutely no way to cover this up. And Andy also says if you did have some big settlement with her, why would you want her on the show? Um, It just doesn't make sense. If this all went down and there was an actual settlement paid out, Terry and Heather would know, they would remember, and Nicole never would be in their circle. I, I know it sounds crazy for people to believe that, like, Heather truly didn't remember or know this, but I, I believe it. I don't know. Maybe I'm gullible. I believe it. So then the slamming into a wall rumor comes up, and Noella says, Heather never denied it, um, to which Heather responds, Roll the tape! So they roll the tape. I feel like so much drama can be resolved once and for all when we just break the damn fourth wall down. You know, last week I mentioned how it went unsaid on the reunion that not only did Shannon tell the other ladies about the lawsuit, but she also told producers, which in my opinion changes a lot. Why couldn't that be mentioned on the show? Break the damn fourth wall. It happens on so many other Bravo shows too, um, especially lately. So why not just go ask the damn cameraman in question, hey, did Heather slam you into a wall? bring him out, sit him down, ask him, give him a confessional. I mean, either way, it would make for amazing TV. Either Noella's confirmed a liar and she can lean into her delusional wild child persona, or Heather is truly revealed as this manipulative lying monster. My money's on option one, but either way, great TV. So Noella keeps leaning into this argument that despite the fact that she didn't see Heather push or shove or slam anyone, she saw her go crazy, and that justifies Noella believing and perpetuating this rumor. But no one's arguing that Heather didn't get upset, that she didn't move the camera out of her way, but the footage they keep showing over and over and over, it's not damning footage. It's not showing Heather out of control. You know, we've seen Housewives do so much worse to crew members, Honestly, Heather, like, so daintily pushes the camera out of the way. If anything, it, in my opinion, it kind of makes Heather look professional. I don't know. Then the card game comes up. You know, pornography gate. Nothing here really gets resolved at all. In this moment, I really wish that they didn't cut the reunion down to two parts because we literally got 30 seconds over Cards Against Humanity gate and it deserved way more. So lastly, something that didn't come up on the reunion but Heather addressed on her podcast was another lie that Noella had perpetuated about her. Apparently, when Noella went over to Heather's house to have that tete-a-tete in the podcast room, uh, Heather had offered her something to drink, a glass of champagne, a cocktail, and Noella said, oh no, I I can't drink. Um, My car from production was randomly canceled, so I ended up having to drive here. Heather thought nothing of it, but after... Noella left, she supposedly texted all of the rest of the ladies and told them that Heather had had Noella's car canceled and then was purposely trying to get her drunk so that she would drive and get a DUI. These are the kind of nonsense lies that Noella was telling off camera. We saw the lies she was telling on camera. I understand why Heather wanted to ice this bitch out. I get it. These are incredibly damaging lies. And the problem is, whether it's true or not that uh, Heather slammed someone in a wall, not true, and whether it's true or not that Heather uh, strong-armed Nicole into denying this settlement, not true, either way, people believe it. And the public is, you know, crucifying Heather over something that is very likely untrue. So, yeah, I get why Heather was so pissed. So, finally, we get into Emily and Noella and their argument. 
Uh, Emily is frustrated that she can't even have a conversation with Dr. Jen about Dr. Jen's issues without Noella butting in about her own divorce. You know, we actually saw this multiple times, including when Jen was upset at Shannon's cooking party and Noella was whispering about her. You know, Noella requires a lot from people, but she isn't a nice girl. She keeps saying how, you know, she's really leaned on this sisterhood, but she doesn't seem to be a very good sister to any of the rest of them. Then, Gina and Noella's friendship and subsequent friendship demise comes up. Essentially, Gina had too much, you know? Noella was too much. Noella says that she gets it, and she wouldn't have done the show had she known what was coming. But I don't buy it. I think, I think we actually watched her choose the show over her relationship in real time. Then we get to the trip to Aspen. Noella using her dad's death to get the master suite comes up, and she justifies it by saying that she was just coming off of a month of no one responding to her texts. This is also really interesting, and I don't get why that wasn't shown on the show. Why was it not mentioned that the whole group was icing Noella out? You know, I honestly feel like the editors did us really dirty this season. And again, it makes sense knowing the context of these lies that Noella was telling about Heather. Maybe there were other lies she was telling about the other women. But either way, if this girl is going out of her way to make these really horrible accusations that someone is, like, purposely trying to get them drunk so they'll get a DUI, like, that's like a criminal allegation, you know? Um, Noella was playing dirty. And Heather even says, no one was talking to Noella because she was lying about her and making people feel uncomfortable. Noella says, only you were uncomfortable, Heather, and you made everyone else hate me too. You know, everyone really does seem to think that Heather Dubrow is this all-powerful housewife unlike any we've ever seen before. She gets accused of having people fired and hired and silenced. Maybe she really is more powerful than we know, which is why I'm going to stay on her good side and keep defending her. Love you, fancy pants. <laughs> The karma comments come up, and I, you know, I think I've already discussed this on a previous episode, but I just don't think Heather did anything wrong here. Noella said something, and Heather said it right back. Just because you're in a vulnerable place doesn't mean you can lash out at people and not expect it to come back at you. If you're in such a vulnerable place and you aren't capable of having anything flung at you, then don't fling shit at other people. It's that simple. You know, they totally brush over Gina saying shit happens about Noella's dad's death, and that's another shitty result of a shortened reunion. Gina said and did a lot of stupid stuff this season, like blaming her actions on a demon she brought home from Mexico, and crying to a bear statue. But that comment about Noella's dad took the cake for me. I like Gina, but not chill. So in wrapping up the show, all of the ladies go around and they say some kind words to each other. Heather tells Noella that if they are to meet again, she hopes that they will truly get to know each other. Big if. Dr. Jen says if drama was a drug, Noella would be a pharmacy. Kind of a compliment, I guess? Shannon and Gina kiss and make up. You know, it, it was a sweet way to end the Sweet 16 season. Overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the season. I thought it gave us drama, it gave us laughs, I, you know, I definitely didn't like all of the players this year, but I didn't hate watching any of them, which is a big improvement from seasons past. Thanks, Smelly Dud. Now, I know I'm in the minority here, but I truly think that this was a better season than the past few, and I also think that those breaks we had in the middle of the season for like three weeks at a time really didn't help with the momentum. You know, I hope that we get this full cast back next year, with a few familiar faces returning from seasons past, and I think we'll be in a good spot with OC. You hear that, Evolution Media? I have officially spoken. 
Although actually, maybe I need to get this message to Heather Dubrow, since she controls everything. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit cinnamon.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at cinnamon.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Cinnamon definitely helps. So I just realized that this season of Real Housewives of New Jersey was incredibly short. It was only 13 episodes. That's like half of what they used to be. I just don't get why it was so short. Someone explain this to me. I'm stumped. Especially considering COVID clearly wasn't a consideration anymore, it just seems so strange. You know, Real Housewives of New Jersey continues to be a top-rated program, so someone make this make sense to me. Anyways, at the top of the finale episode, the gang, sans Teresa, wakes up at the house in Nashville and are all enjoying eating breakfast together. It's revealed that Frank Sr. at one point owned some massage parlors in the past. When he's asked what kind of massage parlors, he says, the good ones. Okay, so I said last week that Frank waking up in a bed full of plastic dolls seemed very fitting for him, and so does this. Frank, as lovable as he is, has got some skeletons in his closet and some plastic blow-up dolls, and masseurs. <laughs> Margaret brings up how the trip hasn't been stellar for her. She's upset that everyone supported Teresa and no one defended her against the flying drinks and the fat shaming. Melissa, Dolores, and Jen all tell Marge that it's a two-way street. Just acknowledge that you were digging and making Teresa uncomfortable. Own your part in it. It's so funny how all of the housewives see things so clearly when it's not themselves in the fight, you know? The group heads out to the bar on wheels, this pedal bike situation, um, and these are actually all over the place in Nashville. Marge finds the one seat without pedals, which is iconic behavior, TBH, but it also shows her age. You know, that's something that only the oldest gal in the group does, for sure. So I mentioned last week that I used to live in Nashville, and I have two thoughts about my time in Nashville based on this episode. One, these pedal bar things are so fucking annoying. I've literally been trying to get home from work on a Friday afternoon, stuck in traffic behind a group of screaming bachelorettes on one of those things, and it took everything in me not to go Grand Theft Auto on them and just plow right through. I'm not typically a violent person, but the traffic in Nashville is so atrocious, you guys. It's honestly worse than LA. You'd want to kill someone, too. 
two. The gang goes to Hattie B's for some hot chicken, which is this famous restaurant in Nashville, and apparently it's so fucking good. But unfortunately, I wouldn't know. For some dumbass reason, I decided to become a vegetarian about a month before moving to Nashville, and I didn't start eating meat again until about a month after I left. So the entire time I was living in the South, no hot chicken for me, no barbecue brisket, no pulled pork, nada. I was literally eating soy chicken nuggets and quinoa burgers, I swear to God. Maybe that's why I hated living in Nashville so much. Joey Gorga makes a competition out of the hot chicken. You know, he 100% has little man syndrome. Everything has to be a contest. He always needs to be winning something. He's such a little bitch boy. Jen is convinced that Bill's gonna win, you know? He loves spicy. So much so, in fact, that he spreads wasabi onto his sushi like butter. Is that not normal? I do that too. I guess we're two of a kind, Billy. In fact, I actually have my shirt on backwards right now, so... The contest begins. Louis out first. He really is a softie. You know, we've all seen him crying shirtless on the beach. This man is just not made for hot chicken. Frank Sr. starts crying. You know, he's also a little softy underneath it all. You just gotta massage him in the right places to find that tender meat. <laughs> Joey Gorga looks like he's legitimately dying at first, but then he gets a second wind, and he actually stays in the comp a lot longer than I expected. But you can tell he's just really fighting to keep up with Bill. He's got milk dripping down his face, and he's trying not to start crying like Frank did. And eventually, Bill bows out gracefully, and they declare it a tie. But even after the contest ends, Bill is just sitting there chomping on the hot chicken, so clearly he won. Teresa insists on talking to Marge whilst at Hattie B's. Teresa says her feelings were hurt, and she thought that they were friends. You know, for a split second, I thought that this was going to go well. Marge doesn't want to talk about it right now. She doesn't think it's appropriate. Immediately, Teresa's power trip kicks in. No, I'm going to talk about it when I want to talk about it. It's always got to be on her terms. Eventually, Melissa and Joe convince Teresa to chill the fuck out and eat the hot chicken. They go to a rooftop bar that night, and uh, right away, Louis pulls Joe aside to love bomb him. He thanks him for welcoming him to the group. He's being all emotional, and then he's, you know, saying how he needs Teresa. He's waving so many red flags. Then he asks Joe for his blessing as he wants to ask Teresa to be his bride. Before Joe can even give his blessing, he needs to know the truth about the past. We all need to know the truth about the past. Louis says that he was with toxic, desperate, low-life exes. But there are these videos of Louis begging the women to take him back. So who was the desperate one? There are rumors about physical violence and abuse, and for him to just brush this all off as his exes being crazy when we've literally seen evidence of him begging for them back and apologizing, it just doesn't make sense. And for him to talk and cry about how Teresa has changed him, you were literally married to one of these women like a year ago, dude. Teresa explains to Melissa why she's so upset. She doesn't like that people from Louis' past are coming and bringing out these old stories and rumors, and Marge is then giving them light. I just think back to Melissa's first couple of seasons, though, when there were a lot of people from her past popping up around Tree. Teresa and Marge have a sit-down, and Teresa actually shows her vulnerable side to Margaret, and Marge is open to hearing it. But Margaret has to bring up all of the things that Teresa has done and said about her. Teresa really doesn't apologize or own any of it, so eventually Margaret storms off. Louis says to Teresa, you're working too hard for that apology. You don't need to dance for anybody. Funny, again, coming from a guy who has multiple videos of him begging women for forgiveness while shirtless on a beach. 
Just saying. Then, Louis gets heated and storms off and says, let's just go move into our 15,000 square foot house. We don't need these people. You know, Louis just showed his true colors. He's such a scam artist. I mean, look at this jacket with a glitter spine down the back looking like a cheap-ass Chris Angel knockoff. I mean, he definitely pulled some sort of magic trick to get Teresa to fall for this bullshit. I just hope he doesn't try and lock her in a box. I mean, after all, she's already had one husband who caused her to get locked up in a box. Melissa has said recently in the press that she and Teresa haven't spoken since the reunion, and Teresa said recently that Melissa is not going to be in her wedding. I want to speak on this because a lot of the viewers are constantly saying that they're sisters-in-law and they should back each other up, and we see a lot of that specifically from Teresa. You know, Teresa's wondering why Melissa isn't up her butt. But I just have to say, I'm not really friends with my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law. I love them because they're part of my family, but a lot of the time I think that they do and say some pretty stupid shit. I don't have this blind loyalty to them because they're my husband's brother or because they're married to my brother. So, I don't know. I don't think that these two need to be friends, nor do I think they ever will be friends. Finally, rumors swirling this week that Jackie has been demoted to a friend of for next season. Honestly, I'm not super disappointed by this. Yes, I thought that she was brave, and I thought that her uh, story about her eating disorder was super compelling. However, I don't think she gave us enough drama with the other women this season. So get her out of here. We need to mix it up. We've had this cast for far too long at this point. Um, get us some new juicy ripe tomatoes and let's get saucy. So The Real Housewives of Atlanta season 14 premiered last night, so you know we gotta talk about it. We finally got Marlo coming through not only with a peach, but a middle peach. This is huge! Now I understand why she had a whole ass party last night to celebrate complete with people singing Happy Peach Day to you. Honestly, at first I thought it was cringe, but after sleeping on it, go off Marlo, this is big. We get to see Kenya on Dancing with the Stars for literally two seconds before she's eliminated. She actually did kind of well, if I recall. Not that I watch Dancing with the Stars, but, you know, I read the blogs. Candy, Marlo, and Kenya are all hanging out, and Marlo is already bragging about her money, which becomes a running theme on this episode, and I'm sure will remain a running theme throughout the season. And then, Sheree Whitfield shows up, and she gets this epic slow-mo introduction moment with all of her iconic catchphrases playing in the background, only legends get this kind of reintroduction. You know, Bethany with the whole The Bee is Back campaign, Heather Dubrow got that intro strutting through her mansion. They sure didn't do this shit when Lydia came back to the OC, that's all I'm saying. I also have to say, Marlo's legally blonde confessional look is so good! The blonde bob with the chic pink coat, this is maybe my favorite confessional look of 2022 thus far. Drew and Wreck-It Ralph are working on their marriage, but not as much as he's working on his businesses and getting massages from assistants. Oh snap, maybe he needs to hit up Frank Sr. in New Jersey for a recommendation. No, but for real, this relationship has doomed written all over it. Even the way they just so openly discuss each other and their issues with virtual strangers, like Sanya just joined the show. Marlo invites all of the ladies to her Lay Archive event, with someone arriving at their door holding a laptop playing the invitation video. It's basically an evite, but they have it hand-delivered on an old Chromebook that the guests didn't even get to keep. Just send the invitation via email, girl. 
So, like I was saying, we're introduced to Sanya and her family. Her husband is really good-looking, and her son is super cute, so I'm already invested. When she asks her son if he wants a little brother or a little sister, and he says a dog, so relatable. Drew is creating a meal prep business, which feels kind of like a hybrid model of Real for Real by Shannon Bedore and All In by Teddy Mellencamp, aka it's bullshit and I don't buy it. Then the editors get shady, shady, shady. Drew's talking about her weight loss journey and how she lost 25 pounds in three weeks. The editors then show us her Instagram post, showing that she actually only lost 10 pounds, and Candy says what we're all thinking. She's still thick. No lies detected, but ouch. So then the Lay Archive event happens. This is such a classic Housewives move. A confusing, clothing-themed event. Either there's no models or there's no clothes, but either way, these fashion events never go off well. I do understand her idea, though. It's like an exhibit to showcase the fashions, like at a museum. Obviously, none of these ladies have ever attended the Met Gala. But in reality, it's a rental program. But for industry people, like Rent the Runway but for celebrities? I don't know. Here's my question, though. Don't celebrities and stylists get outfits for free from designers? I'm just not sure about this business model. It's lay confusing. So again, Marlo's giving a speech about how she obtained all of her money and, you know, subsequently bought her fashions, and Kenya basically calls her a hooker. So yeah, where Marlo's money comes from is for sure going to be a storyline this year, as it is a storyline every year in Marlo's real life. All in all, it was a really strong premiere episode. I'm so excited for this season. You know, the Atlanta girlies always bring it. Their weakest season is stronger than most, so I'm feeling peachy keen, jelly beans. Uh -huh.